everyone. Hope you've had a great week. Thanks for tuning into our podcast and hope it encourages you, inspires you as you go about your week. Here's today's message. I think some of the most beautiful words ever written, he took my sin and my sorrows and he made them his very own. My sin, he made it his own and he bore my burden to Calvary. Calvary, where he was nailed to the cross and he suffered and died alone. Um, Thanks be to God. Be to God, eh? Well, they say absence makes the heart grow fonder, and I've been away for a few weeks, and I'm really happy to be back with you, friends. Um, I'm a great, great believer in leave and holidays. I'm always riding our staff here to take their holidays, and holidays are there for a really good reason, and we need them. Uh, this week, I've been while I've been um, on leave, I've been reading. They've got this great big thick book. And it's called 27 Servants of Sovereign Joy, written by John Piper. And it's 27 biographies of people. And I've read about people like Augustine and Athanasius and John G. Patton and, you know, um, George Whitfield. And this week I read one on Charles Spurgeon. They say that Charles Spurgeon was the greatest preacher of the, of the 20th century. Um, and they used the word, have you heard this word before? I love this word, indefatigable heard that word before indefatigable in other words basically you just never tire out you just keep on you know you don't get tired you don't get fatigued and um and so charles spurgeon indefatigable pastor and preacher and yet he also resolutely and passionately just urged preachers and pastors in his case to have good time off so time off is important but i still couldn't wait to get back here and see you guys today so thank you for having me back and look, I, I, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be a bit scarce the next few weeks. Um, I've had a situation arise, which I shared with the, the leadership group and the pastoral team just late on, I think that was Friday night or Thursday night. Um, I've got a friend who's, who's really critically ill and in danger and on the edge of, of, of death right at the moment. Uh, he's in Perth in hospital. Um, and his, his wife texted me whatever day that was that I le- with the leadership group and, and asked any chance that I could come across there and just spend some time with him. So I'm, g- I'm going to jump on a plane early tomorrow morning and go and do that. And it's not, it's not ideal timing in the sense that I'm just back and then next week I've got to go to the Philippines. Um, but the leadership group was unanimously supportive of that and... and um, it's just, it's a God-given opportunity, hey, to be able to help these beautiful people. And then the week after, I'll be here then next weekend, and then next week, the week after that, um, to the Philippines. You know, we support Kids International Ministries as a church and have been for a long time. And, um, and so the first week that I'll be there, we've got the whole of staff retreat for all the Kids International Ministries staff. It's around about 100 people. Um, and I was all excited because I heard we were going to Barocco, which is a beautiful beach resort location in the Philippines for the retreat. Uh, but then I found out that we're going on an all-night boat ride to get there. Um, so <laughs> hopefully I'll go okay with that. Um, and um, then the week after, we have the annual 
retreat for the board as well. And so everyone from the board, Australia, uh, Canada, America, everyone flies in, and, um, and China, um, and we, we fly in and we're there for three days together. So um, I'm really looking forward to be able, being able to do that. I'm going to be in contact with you guys during the time, but I just, I'm so happy to be back today, but then it feels like it's just going to be a bit scarce for the next few weeks. So thanks for ministering with me and serving with me as we do that. And as I say, I love this church family and I cannot imagine being or serving anywhere else. And we've had, we've had um, over the 34-year history of the church, we've had some awesome victories and advances and we've also had some overwhelming heartaches and heartbreaks over the time, haven't we? And you probably don't need me to tell you that. And it's, it's certainly been a, a challenge season here at Mill Park Baps. So while I've been on leave, it's been daily on my mind. And I just wanted to tell you this morning, time and time again, with incredible repetitiveness, it's been clear to me, and there's a verse in the middle of this that I think many of you will be, a, be familiar with, but then there are verses either side of it as well. Let me read it to you from 2 Chronicles chapter 7, starting in verse 12. You'll probably be familiar with verse 14, but verse 12. Then one night, the Lord appeared to Solomon, king of Israel, and God said to Solomon, I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this temple, the temple that Solomon built for God's chosen people. I've chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. At times, Solomon, I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls. I might command grasshoppers to devour your crops. I might send plagues among you. I might do all of that. Here's the part that you may be familiar with. Then, if I do do that, when I do do that, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, familiar with this, and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, if they do those four things, I promise I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will restore their land. My eyes will be opened. My ears will be attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it's dear to my heart. You might be asking yourself right now and over this period of time, what can I do? What can I do? Or you might even be saying, what can little old me do? You might be one of our people and we, we have a, a group of people like this. And right now you're watching us online. You, you physically... 
or even emotionally or mentally, you're unable to have gotten out of home this morning to come here. And you might be thinking, well, what can I do? My my mum, would would you throw these photos up, please, Anna? Look at this. Here's my mum. (laughs) Beside Levi, my son. (laughs) And then here with my brother on the left and the rest of us. Mum's just recently gone into care, about three months ago. Her health, her health's failing. Um, but you know, the other day, Haley called my mum, and I was, I was there when she called her, and then there was a couple of days after that that Haley and I went and visited mum, and Haley was telling mum, so this is her grandma, telling her about something that had happened in her life. Something good, something really good, really good. Um, and really, it, it, it's an answer to prayer. It's a great answer to prayer. And I said to Haley, I said, Hales, you know, we, we, we call her Granny. You know, Granny is a warrior. And I can tell you, if Granny says she's praying for you, she is. She is. So she's just, uh, and in all senses of the word, look at her beside Levi, a little old lady, God bless your mum, if you happen to listen to this, just a little old lady. You know what though? She shakes the gates of heaven there in her room at Olivet Nursing Home. She shakes the gates of heaven. So what's one thing that we can all do Anyone watching online, anyone who's, the the only qualification you need is to be breathing breath. What's one thing we can all do? Look at this, in Luke chapter 11, if you've got your Bible, open up Luke chapter 11. One day, once, sorry, Jesus was in a certain place praying. So, So Jesus praying, as he finished, if you read the Gospel of Luke, you see Jesus prays all the time. And this day, as he finished praying, one of his disciples came to him and probably in front of all the others because he uses plural language. He says, hey, <laughs> we just saw you praying. Lord, would you teach us to pray? Just as John, John the Baptist, he means, taught his disciples. So Jesus prays and, and, and his disciples are just like us because they're, they're wondering what they can do. Like how can they make a difference? And they're people who know they should pray, but they feel guilty because they don't pray as much as they feel like they should. They, they wish they did pray. They're envious when they see Jesus pray because they're like, I'd love to pray like that. But quite frankly, they're just struggling to make prayer work in their lives. And so... They see him praying, they're inspired by it, and they ask him, 
hey, Jesus, could you, could you possibly teach us to pray like you do? And so Jesus then responds, and in the next few verses, he gives them a model prayer to pray. It's not, a, it's not actually a liturgy to recite. It's not some sort of magic potion to, reme- to repeat aimlessly. Um, but it's, it, it's a model prayer. And you probably know it. A lot of people know it. Our Father. And then if we say it, there's a whole lot of different ways we say it. But if, if I say it now and I'm conducting a funeral, and especially if it's with an older crowd, we'll say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Say it with me. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We were a bit scratchy on that, weren't we? It's because of the these and the thous. Um, and really, what, what that model prayer means, our Father, so remind yourself at the start of this prayer, when you, when you pray, remind yourself of who you're talking to. And, and remember the, the word there, our Father. Remind yourself that you're talking to a father, like Dad. Daddy. Um, hallowed be your name. That's actually a request. It's not a statement. It's a request. I, I pray that your name will be famous. I pray that God will grow bigger in the world. Um, I pray that your name would be uniquely respected. Your kingdom come. That's a request too. So your kingdom come, God's kingdom is where what God wants done gets done. So your choices get made, God. Um, There are are five requests. The first two are about God, the next three are about us. And then it goes on. Give us this day, give us each day our daily bread. You know, like meet our needs. Meet our needs. Um, and, And then forgive us our sins. For we also forgive our sins against us. Forgive me my sins as I forgive others. Presume that I'm forgiving others. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from it. So, so not be put to the test. Don't give me more than I can handle. So Jesus then, if you look in your Bible, in Luke chapter 11, right at the start, he responds to the disciples' request. They say, hey, you're praying. We'd like to pray. Would you teach us to pray? He says, okay, here's a model of how to pray. And then if you look in your Bible, you'll see the close of quotation marks at the end of verse 4. That's the end of the model prayer. And now, just come hang out with me here for a little while today. If you look in verse 5, and if you're saying... What can I do? What can little old me do? What can every single one of us who's breathing breath do? Jesus tells them a story because he wants them to understand more about what they can do. And all you need is breath, and consciousness, you need consciousness to do this too, because if you're unconscious and breathing, you may not be able to. Breath and consciousness. Look at this. So then, 
teaching them more about prayer. He used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight. Suppose you did. You went to a friend's house at midnight and you want to borrow three loaves of bread. So you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived at my place for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out, your friend calls out from his bedroom. Don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. My family and I, we're all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, Jesus said, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he'll get up. And he'll give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so, Jesus says, I tell you, keep on asking and you'll receive what, you'll ask, what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives everyone who seeks finds and to everyone who knocks the door will be opened you fathers you fathers if your children ask you for a fish would you give them a snake instead or if they ask you for an egg do you give them a scorpion of course not so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children how much more Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So this is what's called a parable, friends. It's one of Jesus, or it's probably just about Jesus' favorite party trick. It's a short, imaginative story, fictional, and it's got a meaning to it. Now, one of the there's lots to understanding parables if we want to study them effectively. But one of the most important things, and this is really important this morning, when we read a parable of Jesus the most important person to get the context for is for the people who were listening to what Jesus said. It's much more important to do that and absolutely essential that we do that before we think about what it means to us. Because we're we're more than 2,000 years later and we're in a totally different setting, culturally, societally, and just in the, in the dispensation of time. So we have to understand, what would the people who hear Jesus' story have been thinking as he told the story? That's essential. So Jesus talks here to the disciples about what they can do. And he'll speak to you too about what you can do. What I can do. This is called the parable of, we usually call it the parable of a friend at midnight. And that's for the first few verses, five to eight. He paints a picture for these guys. They all know the picture well. Now, it's a picture of a problem that reflects their ancient first century Palestinian culture. Food then, all right, it's not as readily available as it is now. I often joke with my friends, when I go to the Philippines in a couple of weeks, you know, if if we're there at at the ministry center, the headquarters, and you get hungry, late at night or if we're we're there and we realize we've got no no milk or no bread 
in the philippines and those of you who've been there with me you, you know i'm telling the truth like that's a major thing because i'm gonna have to drive to the shops i'll have to battle the traffic and the traffic is a nightmare in manila and then i'll have to try and find somewhere to park and i'll have security guards trying to get me to pay them to let me park here and that like it'll be an, a nightmare and then i'll get into the store there'll be a million people in the store at any time of the day or night and there'll be big lineups for the cash registers and then there's also every chance that i'll get there and then when i go to exactly what i want there's there's a really high chance that there'll be a little sign there saying we're sorry we're out of this like it, 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 you run out of milk or bread like we're talking probably two hours it's not like that for us here you run out of milk you just pop down to 7-eleven home in 10 minutes there's no food it's, it's not even like the philippines for here for these people there's there's, there's nothing there's, there's no 24-hour coals there's no 7-eleven there's no all-night mcdonald's like there's nothing at that time of night you need food the only thing you could do possibly is to get it from a friend there is no other way now culture when someone visits your place in first century palestinian culture you have to be a good host now similar today if you drop into our place you're welcome for canadian thanksgiving dinner tonight but if you drop into our place some other time um, or tonight then we'll hopefully will at least offer you a drink but but this is like this is way more stronger and entrenched than that if a friend comes to your house in this culture he or she gets a meal they get a full meal they eat until they drop that's the culture and if you come to my house in that culture even if it is in the middle of the night you get a lot of food now here's the problem it's midnight there's a man who's dropped in unexpectedly it's late at night the the friend he's dropped in on he's all out of food so he can't fulfill his cultural not just desire but obligation to help his friend he's in trouble there's no answer to it so he's got a choice he can either go and see a neighbor who might have bread in the house but would almost certainly be asleep or he can fail to keep his culture do you get it it's a big dilemma now this neighbor he's in bed if you look in verse 7 and he's not just in bed he's in bed and all his family are in bed with him now houses in this day and age they're like a one room affair beds nothing you know like you know posturepedic and sleep well like uh, nothing like that fancy inner spring mattresses on fashion wooden settings and they can adjust this is a mat on the floor if you're lucky one family one house one room one mat everyone sleeps on it and in it 
together. And it's midnight. So like, of course, the family's in bed. The door has already been shut. What that means, he says the door's shut. What that means is that there's either a wooden or an iron bar that actually goes through the rings of the door so that it secures it in place for the night. In other words, this does not mean, this, it does not just mean waking the neighbor and whispering to him. It, it means waking his whole family. And us parents aren't real keen on that, are we? It's a noisy prospect to start with. He's got to knock loud enough to wake him. He's got to talk to him through the wall. And he's asking him, would you, would you get up? Would you slide the wood or the iron bar out of its position? He's only asking for three loaves of bread. And he's only asking if he can borrow them. He'll replace them. He'll probably replace them the next day. And it's awkward, isn't it, when you wake someone up? I don't, I don't wake up well. Um, I, I, um, my family will tell you, especially Deb, you know, because we sleep in the same bed. She said, you've always got to be careful if you're waking Jeff up for something. Because, like, I, I absolutely can't help it, but I'll wake up aggressively. So, oh, oh, what, what, what? Like, I just can't help it. You know, and then the minute I realise that, I, I calm down. But the the second of waking, I'm like, whoa, whoa, what? You know, like, wh- what do you want? Um, I have a friend who, on his wedding night, his wife, like, I think he was snoring or something, and his wife just woke him gently. And he, he woke up, and he looked at her, and he put his elbow, and then he said, don't you ever do that again. <laughs> and then he went back to sleep, and he doesn't remember it. <laughs> I mean, imagine waking someone up. The, this, this guy, the, the host who's in need because his friends dropped in, he's got a lot of nerve. Do you, do you see? He's got a lot of nerve. It's clear that his neighbour is going to be irritated by this request. Maybe so not, not so much with the, with, with the actual request, but with the timing of the request. He knows that no matter how delicately he makes that request, even when he starts off by calling him friend, Notice that. Hey, friend. (laughs) No matter how dramatically he can present his case to his neighbor, his neighbor is going to be bothered with his request. And he's right, because look at verse 7. He says, don't bother me. Better translation of the Greek language that it was written in would probably be something more like, hey, don't cause me trouble. Don't hassle me. And of course he can't help. He's got to put his family first. So do you see the question of the parable here? Because Jesus is telling the story. He says, suppose one of you has a friend. This story, when he asks it, is all about boldness and nerve. Jesus' question is like this. You guys heard the story. I just told you the story. You heard what this guy did. Now, which one of you, if you, if you were in that situation, which one of you would have the boldness and the nerve to go wake up your neighbor and his family at midnight to ask him for bread? Look at the answers in verse 8. Jesus gives the conclusion, and if you look at it, the neighbor does end up getting up. 
presumably waking his whole family as he does so. He unbolts the door. He gives his friend, not just a bit, he gives him as much as he needs. Do you know why? Is it because he's a friend? It's not. Jesus says that. Is it because the host is in great need? It's not. Jesus says that. Is it because he's culturally obligated to help him? It's not. It's because of the man's boldness. The New Living Translation said it's because of his shameless persistence. <laughs> if you've got a handle on that, like the Greek word that's used there is anidaien. Hard word to translate properly into English because, because it actually refers to like a combination of boldness and shamelessness. So the stress is not nearly so much on the persistence or the, or the repetition of the request. It's much more on the boldness, the nerve, the audacity to ask this. The, the word can also mean just the recklessness, <laughs> the disregard of the considerations. So you know the look in the eyes of someone when you ask them a question sometimes. I don't go too close to home, but like, you know, our other house we used to live at, like, and I, I found some high school kids. We lived right near a school and I found some high school kids there that time and they were sitting on my neighbor's fence and the fence wasn't far off falling down, you know, like it was dilapidated old fence, rickety, weak and here's this teenage guy and girl, they're in their school uniforms and they're sitting on the fence. And so I go up and I'm really like, like am I cool? Like, I think I'm a pretty cool guy. Like, I'm pretty cool. I'm young. This is a long time ago. I'm young. And I'm really super polite. Hey, you guys, like, this is my neighbor's fence. You reckon you could just not sit on it? I reckon. Like, you'd think I'd ask them to just run a marathon now. Like, like, like what a... What an audacious question you just made of us. You're asking us to, you know, like, it's just a normal request. You know what? This man who goes knocking on his friend's door, like, he's got gall. He's willing to go to great lengths. He's willing to embarrass himself. He's willing to suffer great rebuke. It's all so that he can just get some bread and be a good host to his guest. And no doubt you see the picture Jesus is building. He does this all the time in the Bible. It's called an a fortiori argument, which means we go from lesser to greater. In other words, it's a how much more argument. In other words, if a person, if a person would respond like that, how much more? Would a gracious, good God respond to people who have the nerve to make requests? The idea of the parable is not to, tr not to try and work out who's who. Or like like it's, it's a sinful person. But that, like all, all Jesus is saying, you get, the, you get the idea. It's like, say, he's just a person. And that's how he responds. So imagine if just a person responds like that imagine how God will respond how much more 
Blessed are the greater. Would you have the nerve? Would you have the audacity? Would you feel like you could do something for our church? If you're visiting with us, if you're watching online, for your church? Would you be like my mum? Probably sitting in her room right now. Who prays, who spends hours every day praying for people. She shakes the gates of heaven. Would you have the nerve? Would you have the audacity? Would you be afraid to ask? The meaning of all this, it's in the next few verses. It's asking as a son or a daughter would ask their dad. Look at Jesus' language. He says, so I say to you. That means he's actually deliberately applying the parable now. He's developing the response that should emerge from it. Don't forget, he's answering a question here, a request. They said, could you teach us to pray? And verse 9 then is fascinating because he gives three instructions. They're all in the Greek language what we call present tense imperatives. Imperative means it's a command. They're things that disciples of Jesus have to do because they're Jesus' instructions. And because they're in the present tense, it means, and here are the three instructions, ask continually. You don't just ask. You ask and you ask and you ask and you ask and you ask. You seek continually. You knock continually. Now, we, we don't like instructions too much in this day and age, do we? Telling someone telling us what to do. But I want to encourage you not even to see them that way because remember, Jesus is answering their request. Would you teach us to pray? He's not beating these people up with some sort of onerous demands and he doesn't want you going out of here today feeling all guilty because you don't pray as much as you think you should. He don't want that. He says, hey, if you want to learn to pray like this, here are the things you should do. See the difference? Ask. That's just an invitation to pray. Ask. It means what it says. Ask. Seek. That's different. When it comes to our church, our family, our job, our workplace, ask, um, God, please, would you heal my friend in Perth? Please don't let him die. That's asking. Seek. That's an invitation, friends. Listen to this. To pursue God and His will and the advance of His plan. God, what are you doing in this situation? What do you want me to hear? It's really good to use me language here. Not, not what do you want him to hear or her to hear. What do you want me? seeking knock that's a picture of getting close to God it's like knocking on his door having him open the door and say hey come in and why would we say continually because as I said they're all in the present tense so we get translate them better as ask and keep on asking seek keep on seeking knock keep on knocking and then there are three corresponding responses that Jesus gives there and these are promises 
every promise of God proves true. He, he backs them up every single time. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Two passive verbs there. It'll be given to you. The door will be opened. In other words, you do the action and then the action gets done for you. God's the supplier. He's the one who gives. He's the one who opens the door. And then there's one active verb. It says you'll find, and that shows your involvement. So God supplies as you seek. In other words, God is ready to give. So all you've got to do is ask. And because they're in the present tense, it actually also means that the results will be the same again and again and again and again and again and again and again. What can you do? He assures you of a response when you pray, when you pray for your family, when you pray for this church, when you seek God for this church. What, what are you saying to us? What are you saying to me? Even if you are infirm, even if you're in your room in the nursing home, even if you're very unwell and you can't come here, even if you're lying on your deathbed, you can still ask and seek and knock. Assurance of a response, he says, for everyone asking receives, the one seeking finds. This is the literal translation of the Greek language, and to the one knocking it will be opened. Now somehow, we've just got to accept Jesus' words there as either true or not true. And in the meantime, if we keep on asking, if we keep on seeking, if we keep on knocking, and this is what I just, I just thought, I thought, man, God, you've got something a bit more sophisticated for me while I'm on leave? Jeff, you guys at your church, you know what? You will pray your way out of this. You will pray your way out of this. You will not strategize your way out of it. You won't mediate your way out of it. You won't start some new fandangled awesome program and program your way out of it. You won't hire some new gun awesome pastor and pastor your way out of it. You pray. with me on that you'll pray your way out of it and Jesus just lets the rubber hits the, hit the road there um, because it, and this is important I'll be quick because I'm going way too long like I've been doing a lot lately haven't I um, um, way too long but I still want to just it's, it's important just to say this because what he says there um, hey your father's and it's in a patriarchal culture, so it, it's just as relevant to say your fathers, your mothers, your parents. Right? If your kid, and put it into our language, so if, if, if I go home now, um, my kids are older, especially younger kids. They say, Dad, can we please have fish and chips for dinner tonight? Please, fish and chips. Is there any parent here who would say, sure, son. He's a tiger snake. Here, throw it to. Would, would anyone do that? 
Or, or, or like, hey, Dad, Dad, can we please have scrambled eggs for breakfast this morning? Sure. He's a scorpion. Yeah, put your hands out. There's your scorpion. Does anyone know any parent who would do that? I, I know 12 years as a cop, four years in the homicide squad, I know that we have some depraved parents in our world. But generally speaking, much more often than not, does anyone know a parent that would be like that? But the thing is that Jesus doesn't say, which, your parents? If your son asks, him, asks you for fish and chips, you'll always give him fish and chips, won't you? And he doesn't say, if your son asks you for, or your daughter asks you for scrambled eggs, you'll give him scrambled eggs every time. Because I don't know about you, but when my kids were little, if, if, I, if I ever ran by them what they wanted for, to eat, it was a pretty short list. Well, I mean, we wanted French fries and Coke, and we wanted yogurt and cheese and ice cream. Now, does that mean that I always actually give to my kids exactly what they're asking for? Well, clearly not. Because they need more than just that. So, so I, I, I don't give things that are not good for them, and I don't even just give too much of one thing either. So everyone knows the truth of what's been said there. Jesus says, you know what? you got the boldness and the audacity and the nerve to ask and to keep on asking to seek and to keep on seeking, to knock and to keep on knocking. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter what you're wearing. It doesn't matter how much cash you got. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter who you are. If you've got the boldness and the nerve and the audacity, wherever you are, however limited you are, regardless, not unimportant, but regardless of how you feel, and you ask and you seek and you knock, you are guaranteed. Guaranteed. That what you ask for you'll receive, that what you seek, you will find, and that what you knock at, the door will be open to you. Um, hey, join with me. Let's put those five points up, Ina. We'll just go through them. Uh, I want to finish so we can worship together. We've got, we've got an even better song coming than what we've had so far today. Start by praying. Friends, start by praying. Because Jesus, when they said, could you teach us to pray? He said, okay, so when you pray, pray like this. So start by praying. Second thing, pray that model prayer. You don't pray anything else. If you pray the Lord's Prayer, 
And it doesn't matter whether you use these, thou's or thy's or use yours and you. It doesn't matter. Lord's Prayer. Be bold and diligent in what you pray for. And then ask and seek and knock. Continually. And while you're doing it, see God as a son or a daughter sees their father just pray with me friends let's pray together um, I, I chatted with um, some people before church this morning and we spoke about um, I'm sure it just occurred to me as I've read those five points I'm sure that these people have been doing just those things and we spoke about a an answer that's coming for them. And as it, like they were really excited. God works, man. Um, Jesus, please, would you, would you help us? This week we can all pray. We can ask, we can seek, we can knock. We can, we can ask you on behalf of our church. We, Lord, we remember that you said when, we, when my people, if they're humble, um, humble themselves and then they pray they seek my face they turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven I will forgive their sin and I'll heal their land um, so Lord we can pray on those things and encounter next Sunday night we can come together we can pray together we can pray together um, 9.30 every Sunday morning we can come and pray we don't have to be in a certain place or a certain time to pray we can pray and we ask and Lord, now, as we say that, there, if that's your word for our church today, we then ask you that you'd help each one of us to hear it. You said, let him or her who has ears to hear, let him or her hear. And then together now, we ask you here in our church, Mill Park Baptist Church, this awesome family that you've privileged us to be a part of we ask you please Lord we seek your face we call out in Jesus name for you to hear our prayer for in every place you need to to forgive our sin and to restore Thanks for listening. Love you guys. Thanks for listening.